Thanks for checking out this past Sunday's teaching. Every Tuesday, we'll release audio from the previous Sunday's message. If you want to hear the vertical staff talk more about what these teachings mean for everyday life, a roundtable discussion releases every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Vertical Church, it's great to be back with you after a week off. Before we jump into our content today, I'd just like to take a second to highlight something pretty phenomenal that happened inside of our community. This Easter, we started a new Easter tradition when we heard that one of our Hope For partners in Jackson was in need, the Opportunity Center. We put the call out to you as a community to raise funds for particular needs going on in their efforts to reach the homeless community in Jackson, Mississippi. You guys showed up big time and we were able to raise over $9,000 for that Hope For partner. Now don't skip past that number. In the middle of a pandemic, our community mobilized to raise over $9,000 for the people in need. Now I was amazed, but I have to tell you that I actually wasn't surprised. Vertical Church desires to be a generous church, and it feels like in my time here, we decide to be the most generous when things are most difficult. We received an update that the Opportunity Center was able to actually feed the homeless people in their ministry for a longer period of time, specifically because of that donation. So I wanna tell you thank you if you're a person who gave, thank you so much for doing that and let you know the difference that you actually made. I additionally want to thank Drew Cleek, who stepped in front of the camera this past week and shared with us part of our series, The Enemy's News, and he did an incredible job. One thing that you may not know is that Drew, Drew Cleek has been not in front of the camera for a number of months now participating in our teaching team. And the things that Drew has done to influence our teaching have been many. Also, Austin does that on a weekly basis as well. In fact, a lot of the things that I'm going to say to you today have their influence on it. It's exactly how our team operates here. We've gone in depth in this in a discussion on our Vertical Church podcast that releases every week. If you haven't checked that out, I highly encourage you to do that. We'll drop a link in the chat now so you can hop over there after this teaching is over and check that out. What a strange couple of weeks it's actually been, hasn't it? And I think it's appropriate for us now to stop and kind of define where all of us are as a people. I believe that most of us are going between okay and not okay, depending on the day. And I wanna tell you today, as your lead pastor, that actually is okay. It takes some time to find your legs, to get settled when you're thrown into something new like we have been. Actually, the Bible talks about this very clearly in a verse in Proverbs. Many of you will probably be familiar with it. I'd like to read it to you if you're not. Listen to the language in this verse. We're gonna break it down for just a moment before we move into our content inside of the book of Esther today. Proverbs chapter three says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, Do not lean on, two big words here, your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, two more important words, and he will make your path straight. Two contrasting ideas here, our own understanding and the ability of God. I believe that this verse out of Proverbs is so critical for us to understand right now, and it's also going to give us a lens through which to view the portion of the story of Esther that we're gonna talk about today. Let me highlight these two places. This verse shows us that it's an ancient and practiced thing for people to depend on their own understanding. Now there's a lot of irony here because we understand looking back on our own lives that this is a very poor strategy. Here's how we talk about it today. Hindsight is 2020. We say that because foresight most often isn't. Looking back on the decisions we make based on our own understanding, they're often wrong. This verse also points out to us that the only power available to us that can actually make our path straight is God. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I actually have a PhD in trying to be a path 
straightener. And I think many of us, in relation to the current crisis, have decided we're gonna take control of our lives and try to make sure that things go in the way that we want them to go. Proverbs is a clear reminder to us this just isn't possible. We should, in all of the things that we do, acknowledge God. Why? Because God has the power to make our paths straight. I believe no one understood this more than Esther. No one understood the uncertainty of an unforeseen future more than Esther. Today, as we drop into our third week of our series, The Enemy's News, I'll be honest with you, it's the week that I've been waiting for because it's gonna help this title make so much more sense to so many of us. Why do we call it The Enemy's News? We're going to find out today. We're gonna pick up exactly where Drew left off in the story when Esther had made a plan to go to the king. Not only did she make herself presentable, she had a plan. And that plan was to invite the enemy, a man named Haman, into dinner with the queen and the king. I'd like to read a little bit of that, of that for you if I can. And I wanna encourage you to follow along listening. This is how you best listen to scripture in this sort of format. I want you to listen with your senses. I want you to put yourself in the story. Don't pay so much attention about trying to keep up with my words, but go where the words take you. I'm gonna start here in verse nine. And Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. We see that Haman had some things go well for him, even though he was the enemy, an important detail here in the Bible. But when Haman saw Mordecai, remember this is the family member of Esther that took her in and cared for her, plays a key role in the story. When Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. And he sent and brought his friends and his wife, Zeresh. And Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, and all the promotions with which the king had honored him, and how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. So get this picture here. He's offended by the actions of this man, Mordecai, and he's enraged, but he decides to contain this rage, and then he invites his friends and his wives around him. He gives these big speeches. Then Haman said, even Queen Esther let no one but me come with the king to the feast she prepared, and tomorrow also I'm invited by her together with the king. Yet, notice this statement. Man, this is so true to my heart some days. Yet all this is worth nothing to me, so long as I see Mordecai, the Jew. Notice the racial language recorded here in the Bible. In the American South, we're very familiar with saying someone's name and then putting a descriptor behind it that we assume is negative. I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, let a gallows 50 cubits, that's roughly 75 feet, seven and a half basketball goals high, be made. And in the morning, tell the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea, the Bible says, pleased Haman. And he had the gallows made. Two big points I want to pull out of this a small segment of this story that I think are of particular importance for us today as a community. The first is this. Nothing reveals our nature like difficulty. Don't miss this statement. Nothing reveals our nature like difficulty. I'm fascinated by the interaction between these two men, Haman and Mordecai, because what it shows is how these men act in a time of distress. Haman is looking for another man's worship and he doesn't get it. The reason he doesn't get it is because even in distress, Mordecai holds fast to his belief in God and the things that he has been taught. He's a great example for us in this way. 
I want us to be clear about how we're reacting to the current crisis we're in with COVID-19. It's a worldwide pandemic, but it's affecting us in such personal ways. So I wanna ask you what might be a rough and uncomfortable question for you today. How have you responded to the crisis of COVID-19? If you were to step back and review your reactions to this crisis, what would you use? What words would you use to describe it? Maybe more importantly, for you to learn the lessons that God has for you today, what is it that he's trying to teach you personally through these reactions? It's just true of all of us. Nothing reveals our nature like difficulty. Second big point I'd like to make out of these couple of verses. We must be careful of the influence of the ignorant. We must be careful of the influence of the ignorant. If you're familiar with this story at all, you see that Haman did exactly what the king did early on in the book of Esther. He was upset about something and he brought people around him that would tell him exactly the things that he wanted to hear. Keeping in mind, they were not good things for him. Haman is a man who had learned to lean on his own understanding. He had surrounded himself with people that only helped him understand that same way of life more. We do this very same thing, and the Bible is pointing out here, not so subtly, that's an incredibly dangerous approach to our lives. We must be aware of the influence of the ignorant. We must be cautious of the influence of the ignorant. As we're consuming media, giving commentary on our own lives, we must be very cautious of the things that we're listening to. Instead, we should be able to lean on the faith of the informed. What do I mean by this? This is exactly what happened with Mordecai and with Esther. Esther was able to borrow the faith of Mordecai as an informed individual on what God was up to, although he hasn't been mentioned yet in the story, what he was up to and what he was calling Esther to do. And Esther was able to proceed with her plan because she wasn't paying attention to the advice of the ignorant. She was leaning in to the faithful, the faith of the people who were following God. So the story of Esther continues in this way. She prepares a feast and she does invite the enemy into this feast. At a certain point in this feast, the king looks at Esther for the second time and says, Esther, what is it you would like me to do for you? What a dramatic reversal in this story. Don't miss the drama of this moment. The most powerful person in this story looks at someone who was sold into sex trade and asks her, what is it you would like me to do for you, Esther? Esther then seizes the moment and it's why we celebrate her today. She says to the king, I want you to save my people. The king acts confused by this, not knowing what's going on in his own kingdom. There's a lesson there for that inside of our men's community. We say often, man your territory. This is why it's possible to be the king of a kingdom and not know what's going on right underneath your nose. The king then becomes enraged about hearing the plans of the man, Haman. Esther dramatically calls him out at dinner. I love the strength of the woman in this moment. Let me pick up and read some more verses for you. Before I do that, I'd just like to encourage you. You can follow along in version in your Bible app on your smart device in this whole service. You can see key points that we're making. You can make personal notes and save it for later. Just download the Bible app on your smart device. You can locate us in events and you can follow along. Great way to stay engaged in these, particularly the times where I'm reading the Bible. Let me get this last big section out of the way of the story. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. Wouldn't you be having been called out? The king arose in his wrath from wine drinking and went into the palace garden. He needed a break, but Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. The king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine. As Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was, he was begging for his life. 
The king, though, has a different interpretation. Will he even assault the queen in my presence? My own house, the king says. And as the words left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then one of the eunuchs in attendance of the king said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, is standing at Haman's house, 75 feet high. The king said, Hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, and the wrath of the king was satisfied. The enemy's noose, a noose that Haman had prepared for Mordecai, was the last thing that he felt around his own neck. What I want you to understand here, Vertical Church, is that God was at work, that God was working in the story long before the story began. And that's exactly the truth for us as well as we're gonna discuss as we close over the next few minutes. God has worked in the middle of this story. He's at work in the middle of COVID-19. God was at work at the beginning of this story before it all started. He's been at work at the beginning before COVID-19. And maybe most importantly, God will still be at work after this crisis is over. It's in the nature of God to act. And we believe at Vertical Church, he is firmly doing things inside of our community and we are joining with him. I want you to believe, especially if you're a Jesus follower, paying attention to this teaching, that God is up to something even if we can't see it. God is up to something even if it puts us in danger. And God is up to something even if we don't know the results. I want you to be able to hear this teaching, Jesus followers, and have confidence that God is not absent from the difficulty. Here's a way that I, I want you to remember it in phrase form. There's a time for fear, and there's a time for faith. And as Jesus followers, it's our responsibility to know how to discern the difference. There's a time for fear and there's a time for faith. What I believe the story of Esther is telling us very clearly as a community is that the time of fear is over. If anything, Esther shows us that at some point we must put the fear behind us and we must begin to act in faith. This is what I believe the people of Vertical Church are being called to right now, to be guided by faith and not by fear. Again, I return to this question, how will you be remembered once this has passed? What will your actions say to the people around you about you? You have a choice how you're living today. You have a choice how you're going to live this week. Is it going to be a life marked by fear or will it be a life marked by faith? I think it would be better for us to live with a backbone than to die begging. We all understand that statement. I'm calling this community to have a certain level of grit that perhaps has been absent up until this point, understandably so, but it's time community to make the turn, to begin to trust God at a deeper level. In many ways, we're either Haman or we're Esther. My hope is as a community, we will be more and more like Esther and less and less like Haman. Here's another phrase, the last one I wanna leave you with today. Opposed to God, we're no match. Aligned with God, there is no equal. If we are opposed to God with our lives, then we're no match for the power of God. But if we're aligned with God, there's no equal among us. In fact, I can say leading into this crisis, 14 to 18 months before it ever arrived, God began uh, preparing this place for the things that we would face. How so? Let me prove it to you. The fact that we're so focused on groups and community inside of our community. The fact that we began to budget differently as a staff to look forward to stewardship so that we would have enough finances to take us through a crisis. 
How about this one, one that was often misunderstood? Our focus on self-awareness. Without self-awareness, this crisis is so much more difficult. This last one I'm particularly proud of. The day of us sharing one verse and having one memorable statement is over inside of our community. We're just so hungry and eager for the things that God is trying to teach us through the Bible in the subtle points and the glaring points. So many of us want so much more from God. Why? Because God was building us that way because he knew that we were going to need it. So I say to you today, Vertical Church, in closing, we're going to get through this crisis. We're going to grow through this crisis. And personally, you're going to make it through this crisis. And if at any point over the next few, few days, you lose your belief in yourself and your belief in the power of God, that's what we're here for. Reach out, make contact, and use your community in the same way that Esther did. And because of that, she was able to save her people from genocide. Let's pray together. God, I'm grateful for such an extreme example during these extreme times. I thank you for your hand being at work inside of our community. From the small details as to how we communicate to the large details as to how we approach your word and what you have to say to us. God, today I just wanna pray a bold prayer that the people of this community would develop more grit, more faith than fear. That we would over these next few weeks in this new season, the next phase, that we would be an example, a glaring example of belief in your power. Help us to be wise just as Esther, but to take the risk that faith require. In Jesus' name, amen.